Hello and welcome to episode two of More Than Just an Itch, your essential guide to living with and understanding eczema. Over 8 million people in the UK have eczema. That's one in 10 adults and one in five children. The condition in some of those children will improve over time, but as we heard in episode one, there's no guarantee it won't return. And for many people, it never goes away. Today, we'll be meeting two people for whom eczema is a constant presence in their adult lives. We're asking how does it affect them? How does it make them feel? How do they cope with it? How is it impacted on their lives? We'll be finding out in just a moment. A reminder that this National Eczema Society podcast series was funded by AbbVie, Almoral and Lily, and they had no editorial input or control over the content or other outputs. So let's meet our guests. Jack Ransom is 29. You've just had your birthday, so happy birthday. And Chloe North is 21 and has recently graduated with a psychology degree. So congratulations. Thank you you as well for being with us here today for the podcast. We're calling this episode A Patient's Journey. So um, let's start with just a little overview, if you don't mind, of your current situation with eczema, Jack. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's the best it's been for... Well, a number of years, probably, um, which is, uh, yeah, very nice position to be in, not having to use too many um, treatments, just using uh, moisturising cream and, mm. and um, steroid cream occasionally if I have a flare-up. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't, I haven't got too many complaints at the moment, I have to say. Yeah, look, mine's really similar. So I'm just on, obviously, emollients every day, which help. And then if I... D- desperately need it I, I use steroids for flare-ups mm. but it's quite rare at the moment which is good yeah and I know that it's a very very different situation from how things have been for both of you in mm. the past so let's go into that um we'll start at the beginning of your eczema journey um your very first memory of eczema Chloe so for me I remember I always had it quite mildly when I was a child in like the classic sort of way so on elbows and behind the knees and stuff yeah. like that and then it was when I hit 14, it got like significantly worse and I got like random different rashes. So I had one on my neck, which was like, they thought it was ringworm at the time. And then, um, so I got treated for that and it didn't work. And then they worked out Clearly. that it was, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit <laughs> dicey. <laughs> they worked out that it was uh, eczema. So they gave me like a antibacterial treatment. Yeah, I'm very similar actually. I mean, I was diagnosed with eczema at three months old. So so you don't even remember not having it, actually? No, yeah. precisely. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm aware, it's, it's been it's been with me basically my entire life. My earliest memories actually are probably my parents taking me to different treatments, mm-hmm. uh, d- different sort of treatment centres, so different dermatologists. And, and um, we tried a few things like Chinese herbs. Uh, but then primary school was where it was... Um, I guess became a little bit more uh, obvious right. to myself, mm-hmm. and then particularly secondary school um, was was where it really sort of blew up. I guess when I hit puberty, so that that was when it became the most difficult to manage. Yeah, that was similar for me. It hit when it was like puberty, and then it's the like combination of that and puberty together is like. Was hell. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> no, I mean, it's such a self-conscious time anyway, like for anybody at all. I mean, you know, people get spots and greasy hair and your body's growing in a weird way. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you've got eczema as well. I mean, how did you deal with that the, with the other kids at school? Kids can point things out so much, can't they? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was um, 
the time that I probably had the most social anxiety. Mm. So you're obviously going from a, a relatively known environment at primary school uh, where it's a smaller group of people. Yeah. You know, you already know everybody. You're kind of settled with them. And then you go to a much bigger school, new group of people. You're trying to not only are you sort of working out how you want to be presented to them, but you're also at an age where people don't have necessarily as big a filter right sounds like a kind way to put it yeah yeah, definitely some name calling was was done I did get like questions about like why it was looking like that and what was wrong and did you know what to answer no at the time you're like I don't know what to say because I don't know myself and it's like a question to me and like yeah well it's like well how am I meant to answer that because uh, you it's all you've ever known yeah and you're like and also nobody the thing is that uh, particularly then, nobody really knew what caused it. And so you're kind of just like, I don't know, I've just got this thing where I'm, I itch all the time. I remember a kid at school being like, oh, that sounds great. I love having, I love being itchy. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, it's not fun at all. I've never heard that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess he, he was trying to be sweet and yeah. like find yeah. common ground maybe. Yeah, it was uh, you know, an interesting <laughs> take on it. But I guess if you've if you've not ever experienced like a, like an eczema style itch yeah. and you you think of people who have like a back massage saying they're like, I've got a bit of an itch and you're like, oh, that feels nice. Mm. Then that might be from their perspective something that doesn't sound too bad. But obviously what, what you experience when you've got a flare-up or even actually when you haven't got a flare-up is, is very intense. Yeah. But there is like the sort of thing that stroke like makes it even weirder is there is that satisfaction when you are oh, scratching the so there bit. is actually it does feel good which yeah. makes it even worse yeah because then you can cut your skin yeah and... but it, it, it's like the only relief even yeah. though it, yeah. even though it makes it worse and like you i always used to you'd have like a point where you're itchy and you'd scratch that and you'd be like, okay, that's getting rid of the itch. But then it would spread to other parts so that you kind of just find yourself moving around your yeah. body trying to, yeah, trying to definitely. chase the scratch. <laughs> yeah, very frustrating. And eczema can be so distracting as well. I've never had it as badly as either of you, but even my small amounts of eczema that I've had, I, you know, it gets to be the point sometimes it's all you can think about. Mm. And I mean, when you're trying to do your school studies as well and get your GCSEs and everything, I mean, how much did that come into it for you? For me, it was it had a big impact, but particularly when you're coming up to exam season. So I always found, I don't know about you, but um, stress uh, had a big impact on how my skin was behaving. Mm. So obviously the two go in sort of a, a poor hand in hand you'd be really stressed leading up to exams so you have a, a flare-up and I, it really impacted my sleep which meant that you're then you're more tired you're more stressed and so your skin gets worse and it's it was circle. yeah it was horrible yeah I remember because like when it was at its worst my sleep was like oh I couldn't sleep at all I was up in the middle of the night I used to just go and sit in my garden because it was obviously oh, the coolest yeah, place yeah try and cool down yeah, yeah and I'd like I would sit in the darkness in the garden to try and stop myself um scratching and so yeah I, w- I was like like living on a, a couple of hours sleep mm-hmm. a night and then you're sitting in a classroom trying to focus on what a teacher is telling you whilst you're also focusing on the fact that like your skin is on fire and you want to scratch it underneath your 
shirt and your blazer yes. all made out of polyester and yeah, oh, God, yeah. yeah it's all sweaty in a hot classroom yeah in the middle of summer and i was just it was so hard sometimes when and, you're there and also for for me with the we had to wear a white shirt yeah and i used to scratch and then you bleed yes yeah <laughs> it made you really self-conscious about if it was hot and you didn't have a jumper over the top yeah you're like, i've got i have like be careful i don't want people to see that i've got like blood on my white shirt Mm -hmm. but i think we tried about three four different brands of shirt manufacturers to try and find one that didn't use polyester yeah so were were your schools helpful about that were they understanding not particularly no really that's quite surprising there was i was all right because the actual white shirts you could buy from anywhere but we had summer polo shirts and you had to buy them from with the branded logo obviously and they they did used to make me sweat so much, but I couldn't really do much about it. So in summer, I could either wear that, which would also a lot of the time I didn't want to because it would let, my arms would be out and yeah. they would be covered in scars and stuff. Um, so I wouldn't want it, or it's easy access that you don't want. Yes, right. yeah, yeah, it's true. You can... yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time you want to scratching. cover yourself up to stop yourself from accessing it. And it works. It does work. To some degree. Yeah. But then you are sort of just scratching through the material. Yeah. And I mean, I think that kind of illustrates part of what is coming out of this podcast is that people's experience of eczema and also like how it's treated and helped or not helped is seems to be so different, so individual. It depends on your school and it also depends on your doctors as well. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your actual treatment sort of journey. Um, Jack, if I come to you first, you say that you've been on lots of different things kind of if, if you go back to those um adolescent years what treatments were you trying at that point so i think in the early years um and to be honest i'm not up to date with what most of the social media stuff is these days but there was a lot of and i think there still is a lot of um like different types of weird and wonderful ways that you can treat skin mm. or eczema outside of say just going to the doctors so we we initially tried you know the nhs route um and so predominantly using steroid creams and, and moisturizer we then was your first protocol just gp correct yeah so that that was the first protocol we then heard about chinese herbs and it seemed to work we I then stopped using that for it was it was like monstrously expensive so um it it wasn't really feasible over the long term um and then so I went back to just using you know steroid creams and uh, moisturizer until I had a fortuitous meeting um with a research nurse when I was in my early twenties and moved. what happened there well i um I was serving her coffee when I was working behind a bar at a hotel uh-huh. and uh, got chatting with her about eczema and and how living in Oxfordshire in the valley seemed to affect it more uh, due to pollution ah. than perhaps when I went to the seaside or or somewhere that was a little bit more open. They then asked if I wanted to take part in a trial. So and I was on that for about three and a half years. I was using wow. it with a jack inhibitor. Um, it was good. I mean, it had a lot of benefits. It, it got rid of most of the, the symptoms. Mm-hmm. It got rid of the itch. Mm-hmm. It made everything a lot more manageable. There were some side effects, side effects due to it being a a mild immune suppressant. Right. Ah. Um, so I took the decision about three and a half years in to come off the trial um, 
And since then, I've been I've gone back to just using you know the standard standard stuff. Yeah, really, just sort of reaching out for all sorts of different things. Was it similar for you, Chloe? You sort of started at the GP, but then maybe looked around. Yeah, started at the GP route, and I think um, I think I probably I found a list the other day, and there was over twenty different steroids. Oh wow! On it. So I think I've tried possibly every steroid under the sun. Yeah. Wow. Um, and obviously loads of different emollients and stuff like that. Mm. Then obviously um got like onto like the hospital route and it was all of those i was on antibiotics at one point that did work but not for long um when you can't stay on them for no, a super long time either can't. i got put on um an immun- immunosuppressant drug which did work i was never eczema free uh-huh. but it worked and i could fo- like function properly like day to day which i couldn't before um but that's, um, that's you, quite shocking that you say you couldn't function properly day to day what what do you mean by that well like in the sort of way that like i wasn't sleeping mm. i couldn't i couldn't easily go and do social ev- like so- social activities as much as i could can now i guess but yeah i didn't think about it as much at the time but it did affect me in so many ways um but unfortunately you couldn't stay on that drug for more than 2 years so i had to come off it it sounds like your your parents were really sort of just oh, searching but, around. Yeah. Is that because, I mean, you know, GPs, obviously they have to treat all the illnesses of, of everyone of every age, yeah. don't they? Um, so, you know, they were maybe giving you fairly limited advice. Yeah. I felt like the GPs, like, they can only do so much, can't they? And yep. I felt like once when I went there, the GP was so nice, but she was just like, she was just so sympathetic. She was like, I'm so sorry, but I just can't help you. I don't have enough expertise in this department. Yeah, I mean, I... I found the GP experience to be to be honest mostly positive. Uh, they they were always going out of their way to try and help. I did have you know you were saying that you got misdiagnosed. I had one case where I went in my skin was like particularly bad, and I I really needed some antibiotics. It become infected, so I'd gone in, and my usual GP wasn't there. So I had somebody else, and they misdiagnosed me with scabies. Oh, and so I was sat there and they were saying that you've got, at this point I was probably 19. So I'd, be, I'd had eczema, ba- you know, 19 years. I was fairly certain I knew what it was. Yeah. They're like, no, you've definitely got scabies. And I was sat there and I was, I don't, I'm almost, you know, nigh on um, as sure as you can be. But at the same time, you're sort of thinking, but I'm also, I'm not a doctor. Maybe there's yeah. something yeah, exactly. hard to know where to where to turn, I suppose. Yeah, because I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a go. But the, the, the most frustrating thing with that was obviously you, you have to wait two weeks or so to, to get an appointment. Um, I then was given obviously the wrong medication and I had to wait to go back in. So that was yeah. that was the only time I was really frustrated with it. Other than that, I have to say that, you know, they did they did their best to try and help. But usually the, they went to their first line of defence, which is steroid cream. Yeah, um, I felt when I was like... I was going to the hospital a lot for it. Um, obviously, at, at that time, I was like 14, 15. My mum was... It was basically my mum was dealing with it more than me because I was a teenager, so she, she was coming to all the appointments with me. And um, um, I remember one, and my mum just broke down because she was just like... I was really bad. My skin was like what the worst it could be, I think. Um, I, like, this doctor had just told her, us, like to try this steroid which we'd already tried like a year ago or something and hadn't had no effect and she just started like crying and she was just like I'm sorry but like you need to help us more because I was I couldn't I couldn't function really and I, I my, my parents were like that was all they were thinking about as well because my skin was just 
the only thing we even talked about in the house really really um and it was like there were there were a few nurses that are like the best people I've ever met and they helped me so much but it was the sort of thing you go in every time and you see a different doctor and you have to explain it when like all you want to do is just find something that works I can even hear in your voice actually that sort of exhaustion yeah that you've been you've saying your parents I mean your mum breaking down in tears at the doctor's that's not a stereotypically British thing to do, no, is it? No, really not. <laughs> no, she'll probably hate everything. me for saying this. No, but... but I mean, it sort of shows the extent to yeah. which it was impacting, like you said, on your whole family. Yeah, it is. I think what the impact, actually, looking back, was probably more severe on, on my parents than on me because for you, it's all you've known. So, uh, you know, you, you're kind of like, this is this is my lot, this is what I've, I've got. Um, but it was like... We had my mum was constantly trying to find different makes of um, like bedding manufacturers. The stuff that was the kindest to your skin had to use different washing up a detergent, hoovering all the time to try and get rid of yeah, dust. Yeah. Um, my I found out I was allergic to cats, and we had we'd always had cats. So <sighs> then it was like trying to. <laughs> trying to he, he wasn't allowed in my bedroom and like hoovering anywhere he'd been so I could sit down oh. and, uh, so it's like all this additional pressure that it that looking back I think at the time I didn't think anything of it and then looking back you realize that they really went out of their way to try and make your life as comfortable as possible yeah it sounds quite all-encompassing for your everyday life and I mean it, it's clearly impacted on your mental health and that of your parents as well yeah I'm sure I mean the, the mental health side of it is, is in my opinion the worst aspect of eczema mm. um because this i can't think of anything else that makes you feel more sort of uncomfortable in your own skin physically and Fi- metaphorically yeah because the one you're really uncomfortable because you like you just are uncomfortable you're itchy yeah. but also the way that you view yourself when you're having a really bad flare-up can be really detrimental to how you perceive I mean, as we were discussing earlier, even though I think mo- it's almost certain that most people don't view you in the same way that you are looking at it, you're still looking at yourself being like, I look horrible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just not a nice, it's not a very nice feeling. Yeah, on the mental health side, I think I've never had like depression or anything around it, which I know people have, but I think I have like a really weird view of myself, like almost like a dysmorphia around how I actually see myself because sometimes like someone will send me a picture of myself and I almost don't recognize my face because yeah. I'm like I don't I don't realize I actually look like that or sometimes I like I think my skin's way worse than it actually is mm-hmm. and then I, and then like the next day I get I see the pictures and I'm like that's me like yeah, yeah. oh my god and or it's actually way worse than I thought it was mm. and it's really weird you don't I don't feel like I necessarily know how I look all the time I, I I've never felt that it it had that much of an impact enough of an impact for me to need to go mm. and seek uh, professional help but I think that you know I've been speaking for myself I've been fairly lucky I, I'm fairly self-confident so I never really, I always managed to have elements of my life that, that kind of made up for it and, and I didn't feel like it it put me down enough. Mm. But that's not the case for everybody. Um, and when it's at its worst, it is really bad. I mean, I've had, I had to miss work a few times when I was um, working at a hotel just because my skin was so bad. I was operating on like two hours sleep and that built up over a week and I was like, I just can't function. But when you say that to like a manager, 
they're kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, having itchy skin is not a reason <laughs> to not go to work. But, it, you know, and I, I see it from their perspective. I do understand why that sounds like you're just trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Uh, I think the lack of sleep, help, like, again, is one of the things that makes you, you, everybody feels worse when they've not slept properly. Absolutely. And you usually feel a bit more depressed and like a bit more, um, you know, annoyed at stuff. And so like that, when that builds up, plus you, you're viewing yourself as looking a little bit less attractive, uh, it can all sort of just ball into one to yeah. the point where you've had enough. I think that thing of like trying to explain it to people and people being like, no, of course you don't need to miss work because of that. I think it's because cause it's actually a com- such a common illness. Yeah. Like so many kids have it. Like you say, oh, I've got eczema and then everyone's always like, oh yeah, I had that when I was a kid or, oh yeah, my sister has that. Um, so people always view it as, yeah, it's just a little rash. It's bit not trivial. Yeah. 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 I mean, did you ever maybe buy into that in any sense of sort of like, oh, yeah, maybe I am a bit weak and sort of self-doubt? and It's the only element of my life that I would actively try and change. If I could, you know, change anything about myself, it'd be getting rid of eczema. Having said that, I think that there is also a lot worse things that you could have. Um, and so, you know, just trying to trying to keep a positive uh, perspective on it but yeah but sometimes you can't be positive and no yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah that's kind of a <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's on a good day yeah <laughs> and if I could just say as well I mean there are statistics about this and this is specifically to you Jack about how men especially young men do tend not to reach out and talk about their mental health yes. problems as much yeah, there's yeah. societal sort of expectations uh, you know which are measured by various surveys and research um and and that's an additional pressure that you would have been under or uh, you no, are i under. definitely agree with that i mean I, I think um the mental health particularly for young men is, is something that i'm quite um passionate about so i think that yeah this on top of all the other um factors that can go into playing on people's mental health is is something that should be looked at i get i, I mean i wasn't trying to downplay it i just think no, that no. it's important mm-hmm. to also for me anyway i always try to look at keeping myself grounded and and not but it's easier said than done i mean i'm saying that right now because my skin's good when it's really really bad then i've had moments where i've been like i just want to tear my own skin off wow yeah definitely it's also one of those things of because it's a weird illness where sometimes it's really bad, sometimes it's really yeah. quite good, that when you're thinking about it in a mental health perspective, it's quite hard because when you're at, it's at its best, you don't think, oh, I need to go and talk to someone about this. Yeah. But then when it's <laughs> at its worst, you probably think, yeah, I should. But you're so focused on trying to get it better and manage it that really you don't have the time to be thinking about. Or perhaps even sort of the strength. Yeah. The- yeah. yeah, their mental capacity. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I think it's really incredible. You both sound so resilient, actually. I mean, you know, if anything, um, I hope, you know, people listening to this can hear your resilience um, and you're very philosophical about it as well. <laughs> um, you've mentioned about some of the treatments and, and things, but also, um, yeah, you both mentioned a little bit about diet and stuff, your cat allergy. <laughs> um, so you have you found out about triggers is that things that you've come across on your own or was that did men, uh, medical professionals say oh, you should look for triggers how how did your trigger journey come about so um i had this was years and years ago i went to a dermatologist and we had um like i don't think i did a full allergy test 
I can't really remember, to be honest. But I know that they kind of came back and just said, I'm not really allergic to anything um, massively. I still, uh, so I cut out that. Well, I only cut out milk. I didn't cut out like cheese or chocolate. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I only, I drink oat milk now, but... I personally don't think it has that much of a difference. Uh-huh. I've only really done it because really I don't like milk that much. So it's quite <laughs> easy for me to do that. I had allergy testing. I'm not sure if it was the same as you, but I had patch testing. So it was on my back, a massive like piece of plastic basically mm-hmm. on my back. And they had loads of little dots and they tested all the different allergies. And you had to keep it on there for three days, I think. Wow. And... Um, so yeah, it was really difficult to shower and stuff like that, and it was really irritating. Yeah, um, like yeah. Um, and then you came back, and there were just like loads of little spots all in the back on my back. Um, but so it came back saying I was um, highly allergic to cats and dogs. Ah, okay. So we had a dog at the time, and we had to give her away. Oh no! Yeah. So she went to live with my uncle. So we still see her. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Do you have to take antihistamines? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be. I used to take them like every day which i don't anymore because we don't have any animals in the house but yeah but it's interesting because it, i don't feel it affects my skin and i have like dust allergies which does affect yes it. yeah same dust is like the biggest and then the issue is that whenever i have a flare i try and make note of what has happened before mm-hmm. to see what has tried to trigger it mm-hmm. but i've never really found anything there's no de- clear decisive. pattern no yeah. um stress is but with stress i think it's more that when i'm stressed for like reasonably long period of time i um like my management of my skin is worse so like i don't put in as much Mm. effort into like doing my emollients as much as i should and stuff like that and that then makes it worse yeah yeah, rather than the actual stress itself. That's a really... I, I had forgotten that that was something that... Because you, you're you're so focused on doing other things. Yeah. Um, and you're like... Because also, if you, to maintain it, realistically, you need to moisturise. I think I was, was told by a doctor I need to moisturise like seven times a day. Yeah. And of, that's almost impossible to that's do. That's so impractical. It's not going to happen, is it? Like, yeah, unless you're going to disappear to the toilet every 10 yeah. minutes. And especially in a country where a lot of the year we have quite bad weather. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of layers yeah. to take off, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Um, have you, you ever achieved that? No, never, no, never, no. Never, never managed to do that. I think... Um, your face obviously you can moisturize almost as, as much as you want mm. um, but the rest of your body I mean that's that's that'll be something I do in the morning and something before I go to bed and you know after a shower or, or something similar like that yeah we've talked about how children at school talked about your eczema what about now as adults I mean adults can be a little bit blunt as well and, and do you mind if people ask about it I've not really had any comments for like a number of years I've been fortunate as well that my my best friends have been my best friends since I was at primary school. And so they, they really only ever known me like this. And then when I came to London, my skin was pretty clear. So actually most of the people I speak with now um, are unaware of how bad it used to be. The only, the only comments that I've had have been quite recent where a few people assume that because my skin, when it was bad, that was from poor diet, uh-huh. which I found really annoying. So I was like, you've got no, you literally don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I had that last year. I had um, like a bad rash on my face and I was working at a bar in London and I had in the space of like two weeks where it was, I had three different customers 
talk to me about it and not in a sort of like oh your skin oh I have eczema or poor you or stuff like that it was they were telling me that my gut health was wrong and that I should completely cut out I should one of them was like, don't eat anything for 24 hours <laughs> and then clean your gut out and I've then everything that. will be fine. <laughs> and there were no other customers. And I just had to keep nodding and continuing the conversation when really I just wanted to be like, you don't know my skin. Yeah, you don't so know what I've gone through. And it was just like, Ugh, it annoys know, me so much. And I know they are trying They are trying to help, but yeah. I tried to catch myself a few times because people, a lot, which is nice of them, a lot of the time people will suggest, they'll see something on TV or something and, then, and they suggest, oh, I won't try this cream. Yeah. And like, I'm, <laughs> I tend to get a bit, my jerk reaction is to be like, I, I honestly, I know you're trying to help, but like I've spent many years trying lots of different yeah. things. I now sort of have a, an understanding. But at the same time being like, they're, they're not... They're not doing it to annoy you. But when people say things about diet or they make a like an assumption around the lifestyle choice. A bit judgmental, basically. Yeah. And you're just like... Just... Yeah. Thank, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your comment. Duly noticed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give that a go. Next I mean, time do you now. have a response? I mean, maybe other people listening to the podcast, you know, they might comment and give their responses. But, you know, something that you can say to people like, oh, thank you for your concern. I have a condition. I'm, I'm looking after it. Or, I tend or just to go away if you're very yeah, tired. If I could, I would just say go away, probably. But yeah. <laughs> most of the time, that's not acceptable. So, But most of the time, I do just say, yeah, it's, it's just eczema. Um, and But they keep going on and on yeah. about this thing because they think that's what they believe. Mm. Like, fair play to them. It's just... And you said sometimes people have seen things themselves on TV or mm. on social media and things. I mean, I assume you two must be seeing things on social media about eczema as well, because those algorithms, they seem to know what we're searching. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> do you, are you seeing those things? Has that ever been helpful, confusing, not helpful? There's like a vast like number of different routes that they take, I think. I've seen some that are really helpful and like they're spreading awareness about it and how difficult it can be. Mm. And every time I see that, I'm like, good, that's great. I yeah. love that. But then you do see those ones that are like um, giving you like, these are the top tips to naturally cure your eczema. And I'm like, are they though? Yeah. Like drinking this tea is not going to really help my lifestyle that much. And is it maybe people trying to sell a product? Or? A lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Like most of the time, I think. Yeah. The thing is, you two are both in your 20s. You, you know, been to university and you've got sort of a bit of a sort of reasoning capacity to be able to see that. But if you were, you know, 11 or something now... So many kids do have smartphones. Yeah, I mean, that must be very difficult. I, I, To be honest, I don't pay any attention to anything online unless it's from like a, a trusted source. Mm. Um, but just be careful of like, there's always some miracle cream that's coming out that supposedly is, is going to basically cure you of your skin. And I would always be wary of, of those sorts of products because I've never come across one. Personally. that works yeah. yeah definitely it's quite scary when i think about the kids now because like i was probably of the last generation to like i didn't have my phone until i was like mm. well still i was like 11 or 12 so but if you're looking at up stuff and it's telling you this is what you need to mm. do and you'll be completely fine yeah and, and it can like, give false hope yeah which i think could sad. be very detrimental to people's kind of mental yeah. and emotional well-being yeah um, it's like um it's quite horrible but there's yeah. nothing you can really do. It's, but... it's difficult to navigate. Yeah, I think that's the really and this because there's so much different information. You, if you're still early on and trying to work out what works best for you, there's just I think 
information overload mm. and you could get lost trying to find or trying lots of different things um that that really don't make much of a difference but at the same time i think it is it's not necessarily a bad thing to to try out lots of different types of um treatment which as long as they're not um you know harmful to you yeah and working out what works best for you yeah. so because like, it's, it, it's different strokes different folks I mean, one aspect of uh, being an adult that we haven't touched upon, and I don't want really to get too personal with either of you, but it's about relationships and boyfriends and girlfriends. And, um, you know, how, how does eczema come into that? It's maybe a complication from time to time when you're big, sort of having to one. dash off to do your emollients or yeah. if it disturbs your sleep and things. For me, it was, it was fine. I was in a long-term relationship um, prior to university. And so I was self-conscious uh, I don't really think she she really cared that much. <laughs> and then we, I came out of that just before I went to university. And that was the first time I started dating as a young adult. And I found it really difficult. It, it was also coincided with my skin being really bad. So I was just, I mean, unbelievably self-aware, uh, self-conscious, sorry, of, of um, how I looked. The, you know, not to get too personal, but the first time if you, you know, you're with somebody you're, and you're covered in eczema, you're yeah. like, this is just not how I want to be viewed. Uh, so it, that for me was a really tricky, that was very tricky to navigate. Yeah, similar for me. It's just like, it's just you're so self-aware of yourself and self-conscious that I just, I just a lot of the time don't even go into the dating like situation because it's just too much and really? the times you I actually do, avoid it yeah sometimes when it's like bad I do yeah and then I have dated and done st- and like done stuff and it's just like sometimes when the people like you have to tell the people as well you're mm. like oh going through all of that every time just being aware and also and it's quite a personal thing to go into on a first meeting yeah. with someone hi I have eczema <laughs> yeah. what's your name yeah. yeah it's not really how you want to start a <laughs> no, date is it well not... you don't want it to define you no because no, exactly. you're people with yeah. whole personalities and lives that is a big thing like you don't want it to define you but you have to make it people aware as well. Yeah. So it's like balancing those two things. And like bringing somebody, you know, if you bring somebody back to like your room and it's, I, mean, my, I try and keep it clean, my bedside tables, but they always have loads of different moisturizers. Yeah. Like, so you've got like creams everywhere, yeah. you've got steroid creams everywhere. And you're like, just, just, just yeah. trying, trying to annoy me. That's the romantic ambiance no, that you no, might want to go not, for. Not the candles and... Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is yeah, not ideal. But it's your life, and the right person will understand. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with a, I'm, I've got um, a very loving and um, understanding girlfriend now, so it's it's okay. But I mean, it definitely really impacted me through the dating period. Yeah, um, I found it very difficult. And having somebody that you feel you can open up to and be vulnerable with, it's, yeah. it's so important, isn't That's, it? Again, for your mental health. Yeah, it's great for that being able to talk to someone about it every day. It's just a something that people need really isn't it and this is why we need the national excellence society and this podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> and all yes. of the awareness precisely the yeah. more people know about it the easier it is to deal with those curious questions i mean yeah just is it okay for you in your day-to-day life if, if somebody wants to ask about your eczema now you know does it make you feel anxious does it make you feel worse if it's anyone that I've already opened up to, I love it. If like I think it's great because I think that they actually care and they want to know how it's going and like how I'm feeling about it. Um, I do struggle if it's just a random stranger yeah. talking to me about it or telling yeah. you about your diet. Yes, yeah. telling me what I should be doing. Yeah. I I would not recommend anyone to do so that. So you welcome curiosity. Yes, 
but do it in a respectful way. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say exactly the same. Um, I'm more than happy to talk to people about it. And particularly, actually, if, if other people have got a form of eczema, um, it might be less severe or it might be more severe, or whatever, and just having an open discussion about it, I think, is really helpful. Uh, agreed. It, uh, <laughs> when people are just telling you um, what you're doing wrong, that's maybe not the most helpful yes. thing to be doing. We'll we'll put a call out for people to avoid doing that yeah. in the future if possible, <laughs> put it politely. Um, so, yeah, so we, we started off, both of you, you're in quite a good place with your eczema right now. Um, you are still using certain treatments and emollients. Other than having just a cure for eczema, <laughs> if there was one thing that you could wish for regarding eczema, what would that be? I think... It's quite sad, but I think it would be like for my teenage years back. Oh. Because I think it's quite like I don't really get the teenage experience that you'd want to have. Um and it's a it's a sad thing, but yeah, I think uh just like things like going out to parties and stuff rather than sitting at home worrying about your skin and putting your creams on and just stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't really get to do normal teenage act- activities. Mine probably wasn't quite as severe in terms of of not going out, but I d- it definitely limited me to. I miss out on quite a few social events. Mm. So if I could if I could change one thing, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe similar to to have had a le- to have had a um, less of an impact on on your formative years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I have to say, with both of you sitting in front of me right now, you seem like such confident outgoing people you know you'd never met before today and here you are chatting (laughs) away chatting with our listeners so you know despite everything you know you've you've really got so much resilience and you know you're wanting to go out there and do all the things you want to do so you know that's all very hopeful what what advice might you give to somebody who is really struggling with their eczema at this point I think the main thing is that it does get better. When you're in mm. the depths of a flare, it feels like it's this is life and this is it forever. But you always have to remember that it does get better and you will find something that works. Yeah. And of course it will come back at some points, come and go. But you've just got to focus on trying to live as much as you can because otherwise you're just letting it win. Yeah. And that's what I try and do most of the time. Yeah, I would agree completely. Not not let it define you. Yeah. Um, it does get easier the, the bit older you get. It might not necessarily be easier um, or become less severe, but you one become better at managing it. I think, mm. and you, I've learned to not be as self conscious. I mean, when you're a teenager, you're hyper self conscious anyway. So like that is one thing. But uh, once you get a bit older, I think it does it does become a little less uh, difficult to to deal with. Lovely, a message of hope for anyone out there who's <laughs> listening to this and, you know, feeling like, is it ever going to get better? <laughs> yeah. Chloe yeah. and Jack say it will. <laughs> Hang it on will. in there. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your extra journeys with us. It's uh, very generous of you to share all of that. Thanks to you as well for listening to or watching this podcast. We'd love for you to follow and subscribe to the series and to rate and review it if you have the time. For lots more information, please visit the National Eczema Society website at eczema.org. That's E-C-Z-E-M-A dot org. If you have any questions, you can also contact info at eczema.org. 
And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter, or follow our campaign on hashtag more than just an itch. Our next episode takes us into the world of parenting a child with severe eczema. We'll meet Katie and Sanjay and their son Sachin. It's a heartwarming story that covers the many challenges they faced physically and emotionally. I'm Catherine Nicholson and until that next episode, 